0: On May 4th, 2023, grabbed our attention as another January 6th conviction was announced. Five national leaders of the Proud Boys, a militant anti democracy hate group, were convicted of seditious conspiracy and sentenced to decades in prison. Now, over a thousand people have been charged for the January 6th coup, and over 600 have been convicted. It's well known that President Trump encouraged a national conspiracy to overthrow the presidential election, which he had lost by millions of votes. Scores of right-wing groups rallied to stage a coup that would keep him in office. It failed, and the insurrectionists are now going to jail. Here's something important I want us to talk about today the testimonies leading to convictions have exposed a myth that is still being preached. It is the myth of Christian nationalism. Hi, I'm Larry Payne, your Tracks for the Journey host, a channel dedicated to your well-being. In this episode of Tracks for the Journey, I want to explore this potent devil's brew of false god and fake history that threatens our neighbors and our well-being As a nation, you remember, as I do, the unbelievable live stream pictures of the January 6th insurrection. The religious factors couldn't be ignored, could they? On the Capitol grounds were rioters carrying large banners saying, Jesus saves, depicting giant crosses, quoting Bible verses, all the while mixed with insignias of white supremacy, anti Semitism, homophobia, and threats of violence. Reporting later traced a source of this violent ideology. Nationalist politicians and fundamentalist Christian preachers had declared a holy war, flooding the media with the big lie of a stolen election that would remove God's chosen one, Trump, from office. Great numbers of believers had gathered for prayer rallies to plead for divine intervention that would stop the ratification of these results. The true patriots in our country, to be loved and supported, were the ones willing to die for this war, to save the nation from godlessness, socialism, and the designs of people of color. Where did all this fervor originate? Lying behind this movement is a belief in Christian nationalism. Exactly what are we talking about when we say Christian nationalism? Well, it's a belief that merges fundamentalist Christianity with American civic life. Specifically, it teaches that the United States was founded as a Christian nation, Thus, to be a good American is to be a conservative Christian. Further, America will only prosper when the God of the Bible is honored in laws, cultural mores, and political power. As authors Whitehead and Perry describe in their book, Taking America Back for God, Christian nationalism contends that America has been and always must be distinctively Christian from top to bottom. In its self-identity, interpretations of its own history, sacred symbols, cherished values, and public policies, and it aims to keep it that way. It is a political movement, and its ultimate goal is power. It does not seek to add to America's pluralistic democracy, but to replace our foundational democratic principles and institutions with a state-grounded, on a particular version of Christianity, answering to what some adherents call a biblical worldview that also happens to serve the interest of its plutocratic funders and allied political leaders. You can tell from that definition that Christian nationalism might be a new term for some people, but you've heard the claims many times in statements like America was founded as a Christian nation, or the federal government should declare the United States a Christian nation, or those refugees are taking our jobs, living on taxpayer money, and building criminal gangs, or finally, schools are teaching our kids to hate America with all those different viewpoints. All of these comments grow from the ideology of Christian nationalism. One example of this twisted teaching is a movement called Reawaken America. Last year, their rally in New York began with the declaration, At this tour, Jesus is king and Donald Trump is our president. Attendees heard speakers declare that there's a spiritual war going on against uh, godly patriots, that uh, a war that is led by liberals, people of color, gays, immigrants, doctors, climate scientists, and international financiers. The separation of church and state enshrined in the First Amendment is really a lie, they said, and the nation should have laws that uphold true moral values. At stake in this war is the loss of traditional, strict values, personal freedoms, jobs, and the American independence from global government. Now, all of those messages that I've just described are Coming from groups such as Reawaken America, Faith Wins, Patriot Academy, Patriots Arise, The Freedom Revival, Turning Point USA, and Kingdom to the Capitol. There are many others that I could name. But one leader proclaimed, We want God in charge of government. We want God writing the laws of the land. Gerardo Marti wrote in his book American Blind Spot their goal has become to authoritatively enforce behavioral guidelines through elected and non-elected officials who will shape policies and interpret laws such that they cannot be so easily altered or dismissed it is not piety but public policy that matters the most and the real triumph is when these convictions become encoded into law. Now here's something even darker. The political rhetoric, demonstrations, and ultimately the riot of January 6th revealed another part of this movement. For some, it is white Christian nationalism. The Christian faith and the American dream are infiltrated with white supremacy ideas that fight to maintain dominance over Jews, Muslims, Hindus, people of color, women, and any non-Europeans. This truly is the ugly underbelly of the movement, and we've heard it in the chants of white marchers shouting, You will not replace us! We've seen it in the waving of the Confederate flag, or spoken in school board meetings that resist lessons about black history. Today, surveys show 40% of white evangelical Christians support using violence, if necessary, to protect their version of America. Think of that. Right now, millions of Americans would support the kind of insurrection seen on January 6th if their theology or ethical values are threatened. Now, folks, this is serious stuff for us to consider during this independence day season In this episode of Tracks for the Journey we're talking about the myth of Christian nationalism. So, what's so wrong with it anyway? First, Christian nationalism is bad theology. It distorts historic Christian teaching. Jesus actually taught that the kingdom of God transcends any nation or race. The Jewish people of Jesus' day wanted a theocratic empire centered in Jerusalem from which God would inhabit the temple and rule the nations. Jesus Jesus rejected this Jewish nationalism of the era to embrace spiritual transformation, not political power. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he commanded Peter to put away the sword, and he healed the wounded soldier, a story that taught a fundamental truth of our faith. He also lifted a prophetic voice of nonviolent protest against the power of the Roman Empire. It's worth pointing out, I think, that the form of government we have, a representative democracy, is really not found in the Bible at all. And so those who insist that Jesus wants a Christian nation are completely off base. As the early church grasped the truth of Jesus' apolitical kingdom, it spread to live under many different political regimes and cultures, like leaven infiltrating a loaf of bread. It is a tragedy of history, however. Within three centuries, the leaders of the church whetted their influence, to the Roman Empire, later to the Byzantine Empire, found fostering centuries of repression, war, and intolerance. January 6, 2021 brought echoes of this bad theology against our democracy. Second, Christian nationalism is bad political history. We know that the European settlers of America carried an ideology of Christian colonialism. It was a blend of the sacred, the state, and racial superiority. Across the world, the colonial powers crushed the native populations and religions to plant their own theocratic governments for economic gain. And with that background, it's even more important to recognize that the founding fathers and patriots of the 18th century specifically rejected the Entanglement of the institutional church and the federal government, and they stated so clearly in the First Amendment. These founders were Catholics, Protestants, Jews, deists, and rationalists who united to create a secular state. This First Amendment was written following pleas from a liberty loving Baptist preacher named James Leland. He and others met with James Madison, arguing for liberty of conscience and against the state being connected to a religion. Ultimately, James Madison wrote much of what would become the Bill of Rights for the U.S. Constitution. And, of course, dozens of laws and Supreme Court decisions have cemented this principle. We could also look to Article VI of the Constitution, where a religious test is prohibited as a qualification for public office. For more of this, I would encourage you to look at the website of the Baptist Joint Committee, a non-sectarian group dedicated to religious liberty. As we take a moment then to look at all the evidence, it's clear that the government of the United States of America was founded as a secular nation. Period. Christian nationalism is not the American way. Did you happen to watch the coronation of King Charles of England a few weeks ago? That elaborate ceremony wedded the Anglican religion with the monarchy, as has been done for centuries. The king had to swear to defend the Church of England, and he is given power to appoint all senior clergy. He was anointed with holy oil and given communion during that coronation by the Archbishop of Canterbury. This union of church and state is exactly what the Constitution forbids, and thank God, it does. Finally, we must call out that shadow of white supremacy that underlies much of this ideology. If you listen to the rhetoric America is being destroyed by blacks, gays, Mexicans, Muslim, Jews, and Asians. This is bigotry, pure and simple. It shreds the community, dividing people into us versus them. That's the way bigots work. They dehumanize the persons who are different with negative stereotypes like angry black women, radical Muslims, or Drag queen pedophiles. Suspicion is fostered against those outsiders, and walls are raised to keep the home group pure. White supremacy lives in the deficit, the fear, and the anger that is toxic to personal happiness and community harmony. And we know this bigotry has been baked into white culture in America across the centuries. Its ugly head is raised today with violence against those who are deemed the enemies in Charlottesville, Buffalo, Orlando, Cincinnati, and somewhere in the city where you live as well. Now, I'll admit, as a white male, I didn't even recognize how much my attitudes have been created in this environment. Now, I've never knowingly discriminated against any person of color and have spoken out for equality many times. But I have to admit that I've benefited from the racism of the past. The colonial wars against Native Americans across the Americas began in 1492, and it brought over the next 400 years terrible genocide, some of the worst in recorded history. One of the final battles of the United States-Indian Wars took place in the Paladura Canyon of Texas, just a few miles from my current home. The natives, considered savage, pagan, and half-human, were attacked and removed from the U.S. Army from the land they had lived on for centuries. I now own land that was won in a war against native people 150 years ago. I have benefited, as a white person, from bigotry and racism. This is to be owned. It's not guilt, but it is the recognition of the reality of my situation. As we conclude today's episode on Christian nationalism, let me share a personal story. In every church that I served as pastors in the decades that have passed, the American flag and the Christian flag stood in the corners of the worship center. That was accepted and unquestioned, and still is today in most churches. The display was never a problem because diverse generations of Americans have thrived with a pluralism that embraces all the uniqueness of what we call the noble experiment of America. It's important for us to be wise with our citizenship, however. Last year, more than 20,000 people signed a bold statement on the subject of Christian nationalism. It was entitled, Christians Against Christian Nationalism and I was proud to be one of those signers. Here are a few assertions in that document that help us be patriots who can love Jesus and live in a pluralistic democracy. The statement said in part, as Christians, we are bound to Christ, not by citizenship, but by faith. We believe that people of all faiths and none have the right and responsibility to engage constructively in the public square. We believe patriotism does not require us to minimize our religious convictions. We also believe that government should not prefer one religion over another or religion over non-religion. We also believe that America's historic commitment to religious pluralism and freedom enables faith communities to live in civic harmony with one another without sacrificing theological convictions. We believe that conflating religious authority with political authority is idolatrous and often leads to the impression Excuse me, often leads to the oppression of minority and other marginalized groups, as well as the spiritual impoverishment of religion. As we conclude today, I believe Christian nationalism is a dangerous ideology in America. In truth, I believe it's anti-Christian and anti-democracy. We must be aware of how it is creeping into the center of political life in this nation. And we must assert a vision of faith that that allows us to follow Jesus, others to follow their faiths, and a democracy that offers liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much for sharing this episode of Tracks for the Journey. I wish you would take a moment to rate and review this episode. It will help me so much to spread that message. And I want to expand this work so your financial support is also appreciated. You can give a small gift through the website buymeacoffee.com slash Larry Payne. That will further the work. Even $5 can help. Buymeacoffee.com Larry Payne. And if you want more information about Tracks for the Journey, or to read my blog or to see some of the books that are available, you can open my website, tracksforthejourney.com. From there, you can link to and listen to any one of 50 different uh, episodes that I've shared on a huge variety of subjects remember that the transcripts of every episode can be found there also. I welcome you to share your feedback on the Tracks for the Journey Facebook page or just email me directly. Use the address trackspodcast at mail.com Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio All Rights reserved. Hosting is by buzzsprout.com The music that you hear and images you may see are from pixabay.com or unsplash.com. Thank you for exploring with me these topics and keep on exploring on your journey to well-being.